0: Welcome to episode twenty of Ticker Points. My name is Ronan Scott, and this week's guests are Cahal Carvel, our GL columnist, and Fermanagh footballer Tomas Cargan. It's been a dramatic week in the GAA. Uh, we can't avoid it, um, but I wanted to start by speaking to Tomas about his return to Fermanagh football. Tomas, you were away for a year. You took a year out from county football. Um, what was the what was the thinking there? What were you, what was your reasons for? for- Suppose
1: I. I was fed up of football. Um, I was f- just fed up in general. i I was based in Dublin, and I was had been travelling up and down the road for uh, for eight years, I think. Um, so I was just kind of ran out of steam. I was exhausted, um, and I just felt I needed a break from football, from work, from everything. So I booked a one way ticket to Mexico City and. Spent spent a year travelling through Latin America and learning Spanish and just taking a break from it all. The only place more danger than, dangerous than Fermanagh? <laughs> yeah. yeah um, Why Mexico City? Well, so I, I had always wanted to learn Spanish, so um, and I'd always wanted to go travelling as well. So I thought uh, Mexico City is far enough away from... The GA from everywhere to just get away from it all. And the plan was to start in Mexico and move, you know, like travel down to Argentina. So, um, yeah, Mexico City seemed like a good place to start. So, um, yeah, it was a great, great uh, year, great experience. And um, I've learned a lot.
0: What what was there was there a reason why you just was there any reason why you just decided one out of a blue moon or was there a period leading up to this making this decision?
1: Well, I hadn't been enjoying playing football for a while. Um, football had become a chore. Um, to get to football training because I was based in Dublin involved me having to leave work at four o'clock uh, in the middle of the day and a three hour drive to training. So I'd get to training and I'd be quite tired from a nearly a full day's work and then a three hour drive and then having to train and then back again at night, not getting home till 12 o'clock and then into work the next day. So that, that was my routine for a couple of years um, from when I, I started working as a as a solicitor in Dublin. So I was just exhausted, I ran out of steam, I wasn't enjoying it, I wasn't enjoying football, I wasn't enjoying work, I wasn't enjoying the the rest of the things you're supposed to enjoy in life. Um, So I just decided I needed a complete break from from everything. So um, I decided that I was going to do things that I'd always wanted to do, so I'd always wanted to learn Spanish, Um, but because of I, and I, I'd looked at maybe doing courses and things, but when you're playing football, you're always training the nights that the, the these courses are on. So I, I'd kind of just said, I'd kind of given up that I'd never get the chance to, to learn a language until maybe I was 40 or something. So then when I decided that, no, I'm going to take a break, I said, I'm going to learn Spanish. And gonna go away, take myself away from it all, go to a place where no one knows you, you can just totally chill out and so I ended up in in Latin America learning Spanish and taking it easy.
0: What was the reaction whenever you made the decision? Were people
1: shocked? I'm not sure if people were shocked. My my form had dipped um, in the year we got to the Ulster final. I, I I was struggling to make the team. The team were doing so well and I just wasn't performing well at training, and wasn't really enjoying the whole sort of experience of being on an intercounty team. So I think people who were close to me probably realised that I needed the break. Um, I'm sure people were were shocked that you know a county player is taking a break from the game because it's sort of it's it's not the it's not really the done thing. You're kind of expected to play all the time. Um, but I looked to examples of uh, Jamie Clark. He took uh, a, a, like a year or or two away, um, and a few other examples. And I I just said, no, this is this is something that I need to do. Um, so was there shock? I th- well, I think for my managers at the time were a bit disappointed, maybe to to lose, you know, to lose a player, but. Um, by and large they, they understood my decision.
0: What was the feeling like whenever you hit Mexico City with no football or no work?
1: Was it just a was it a breath of fresh air or was it- No, it was a it was a huge breath of fresh air. It it's sort of it it's hard to sort of explain, but when you're when you're growing up playing football and you're you kind of identify as, as the footballer, Tomas Corrigan the footballer all the time, um when you go to Mexico City and no one knows what Gaelic football is uh, or who you are, what Gaelic football is or anything. So it's like a you're sort of born again, you know, you're you've you've kind of left that sort of identity behind and you can start again from like it's a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was very healthy for sort of my my mental health at the time and you, you can you meet loads of people and you're you're chatting to people who have no idea who you are or what Gaelic football is. And you, you just learn, I, I learned a lot about, you know, myself, about other people, about the world. Um, so, yeah. I, I
0: imagine it's probably a story that would re- resonate with a lot of players who, not not county players, but club players who just feel like the pressure of having to talk every weekend for the senior team. And if not, they'll get criticism or be, you know, looked down upon. Like, they'd be, they, they, I imagine they all would share that sort of feeling of pressure.
1: I think so, yeah. I think... For me, anyway, I, I, I put myself under a lot of pressure. Um, it, I'd kind of, you sort of, imagine all these things that people are going to say to you if you, say that you're you need to take a break, and ninety nine percent of the time people will understand what where you're coming from. So the kind of pressure that people feel all the time that's sort of a result of your own thoughts so what I would say to people uh, lads who, who you know who do think that you know they they have to play no, they don't like no one is you're not you're not paid to play um, and there is there's so much more to life I know this is a Gaelic football show but there's so much more to life than 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 playing football do you know um, I from when, from now that I'm back I've I sort of see football in a whole new different light a much more healthier light i don't feel that i have to play but yet i want to play and that's that's a totally different mindset when you feel that you have to do something it feels it's much much harder to enjoy it but if you feel that if you want to play and you want to be going to training all the time then it's it just life is a whole lot easier and football is a lot more enjoyable yeah, well, I think we've had people on this show before. Paddy Cunningham was on recently,
0: uh, two weeks ago, and he said about how he left the game and he still had a yearning to play. But, but, he, but his attitude was, he, if he has to want to play, and he also has to be able to have the time to play. So I think it, it's... Well, you have to get your priorities right, Piers.
1: have to understand what they want. Yeah, and it's getting a balance right between the other aspects in your life. So... Um, everyone you know you have to make sure that you're able to balance your your career your like work career but then also equally as important is balancing your sort of relationships you have with your friends your family and your girlfriend or wife the way f- football is at the minute it's extremely difficult to to get that balance right and a lot of a lot of times the balance is so Badly skewed against those other aspects that football takes up everything. Um, so the first point is like to, when you when you recognise that, then you can make make certain changes. Obviously, you have to make a, a, some sacrifices in the other parts of your life, football and relationships. But if you don't have those other two aspects right, then the football suffers. It's kind of like I've heard the Dublin players talk about it that Jim Gavin refers to it as keeping all the plates spinning, which I thought was a great analogy, you know, the, the guy, the circus act who has the, the poles with the plates on it, like you need to keep, you know, each one right or else when one collapses, you know, they all can collapse and you, um, you suffer, you know, from anxiety and, and even depression. We're going
0: to move on to talk about, whenever we get and we're going to talk about um, the coronavirus and how it's affected the GA. But how do you feel before we've had this break in the GA? How did you feel about how you're spinning
1: those plates with returning to football? So I was in Dublin and I, when I came back from my travels, I um, I said that, you know, if I'm going to play football again, there's no point in me being in Dublin and trying to, like, absolutely killing myself just to, get, just to even get to training. So... I also wanted to be in a in a city and in a in a you know work in a high class in a high end law firm and you know fast paced. So um, the next the 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 best option for me was that, to move to Belfast. So that has cut my travel time in half, um, which makes a huge difference to my energy levels when I'm at training, on my rest days I'm able to do other things. So. You know, because my energy levels are better, I'm enjoying football a lot more. Um, how, f- like, f- I was before this whole uh, before the coronavirus uh, hit. I was um, really enjoying my football. I'd I got a bit unlucky. I had a bad flu, funnily enough, in uh, over Christmas, and then my first training back, I tweaked my calf, so I I missed the whole mechanic Cup and the first stages of the league but the last couple of training sessions I felt I felt myself getting back to um where I was a couple of years ago like flying to be honest um but uh, so yeah this uh, this whole covid-19 has put a spanner a bit of a spanner in the works but probably hasn't wor- worked out too bad for us because we were in we were in diffs in division 2 but uh, yeah I think we should get Cahill in now to get a
0: chat about what we think, because there's a lot of issues here going on, we, we, there's so much up in the air, but I think we, should, we want to discuss about what will happen, what could happen, what should happen, and how really the GA can help the situation. So Tomas, thanks for sharing your story. No problem, Roland. Cal Carville has joined us to, to get into a discussion about uh, corona, the coronavirus and its effect on the GAA because we're in shutdown now, Cal. Currently, we don't know when the GAA is supposed to start back up, though they say it's the 29th of March, but we're sort of in basically no man's land. We don't know what's going on.
2: Well, I don't know if it's no man's land. Certainly, from my point of view, there was no chance come the twenty ninth of March that this will be back and the season will be back up and running. I think in this circumstances, the GA needs to be commended. You know, I've been very critical sometimes of the GMA articles, but. They need to be commended in this for taking decisive action. If we look at Boris Johnson's um, press conference he's, ju- he's just given, he's talking about 12 weeks and see where we get to at that stage. Cl- schools are still open in um, Northern Ireland. Whereas the GAA looked at it last week and said, right, on an all-Ireland basis, we are shutting this down. This is not good for our members. We put the health of our members before everything, be it commercial, be it arranging the, the big games, etc., um, moving the league along. The paramount importance is our members, and that came out very clearly. If you look at um, Michael Ryan, the uh, doctor from the Irish doctor from the WHO, who's has come out consistently over the last week and explained the seriousness, having been involved in Ebola outbreaks and uh, SARS, etc. And you know, this is a a. a very serious point in the history of the world and uh, in this country and the GAA have to be commended for how they have acted and we need to put the health of our members first and if that means that the season is um, put back until 2021
0: then so be it Yeah because it's more at the end of the day though there was there was an argument that people said that mass gatherings weren't as important, it's more they, they're talking about uh, taking it in stages Like, but do you think that was just right just to cut it off
2: Well, I think if we look at what's happened in um, Singapore, um, in Taiwan, in China, and obviously they have um, a different um, system of government in those places, but they've gone through the SARS epidemic. And uh, as William Hanage from the the medical school in in Harvard, he was talking about that this, when he saw the reaction of the British government in relation to how they were dealing with it, he thought it was satire. He thought this was a joke. Um, mass gatherings like Cheltenham was ridiculous and I think we need as individuals and as a collective to be doing our utmost to self-isolate to stop this in its tracks because ultimately if we don't do that um, the older generation and uh, you know members of our family and the community are going to pay.
0: suppose if it may or may not have an effect whether they stop the GA matches but it makes it highlights how serious it is because whenever people heard that it was happening they all went to the public but if mass stops and the ga stops then this is serious
2: yeah well i think when they're putting a massive closure on the uh, on the pubs etc and they should have done that um in the north and what i fear is that people will just on the border where i'm from where tomas is from they'll just go over to the north and not really think about it too much but ultimately this is going to cost lives and when you look at it and bring it back to the bare bones of it if uh, calling off uh, the league game, or calling off uh Fermana and Clare, or uh, Armand Roscommon saves the lives of two, three, even one member of the GA. Then is it not worth it? Yeah,
0: yeah. What is the impact for players though, Tomas? Do you, everybody's on doing their own programs? Is that correct, or what do you, do you work as a team, or have you cut off all contact, or how do you approach it as
1: athletes? Well, I suppose players, like everyone, it's sort of all up in the air at the minute. Like, everyone is sort of walking around not knowing what's going on. Um, we're lucky that our, our strength and conditioning... Well, I suppose that all teams have their strength and conditioning programmes to keep themselves ticking over, but no one knows if, you know, if it's going to get back up and running in March. I think that's highly unlikely. You're then looking at maybe June, so that's, that's like 12 weeks away. So, you know... We, you're that's you're going to have to work by yourself for twelve weeks, um, and you know the GA. I, I went to do some some runs at the weekend and try, kick a few points and try and I don't know bring a wee bit of normality to life. But I went to the Canolly pitch and the gates were locked. You know because GA clubs have, have locked their gates to kind of stop, ga- you know people gathering and you know doing training sessions and you know people not following the instructions that are given. Um, so it's just a, there's such a level of disruption that it, it i think it might take a couple of weeks for the kind of kind of panic to settle down so people the panic settles down but people realize okay we all have to take really high serious precautions but there is a way to manage you know try and keep a wee bit of normality i think at the minute the panic that is created by the the sort of haphazard information that's been given especially by the uk government sort of doesn't really allow you to sort of plan you know how you're going to train and things like that so from my perspective i just feel there's too much kind of uncertainty at the minute to to plan you know how you're going to approach the next couple of weeks
0: what do you think the approach should be for teams carl should the is it you know, us to start th- talking about games and how she prepare for an All Ireland Championship when, as you say, people's well, lives are in the Yeah, well,
2: well, that is right, but uh, <laughs> the GAA is important, but it's not as important as life and death. But on the point of players training and doing, you know, and it's not just county players, club players as well. Uh, it should be doing work um, on their own in certain circumstances, uh, in their own home, going for walks, runs, whatever else. Well, like we have in our um, Middletown, we've sent around a programme that we can do. You know, It's all body, we had not, you don't need to go to the gym, stretch and all of that there. And it's not just about preparing for a championship in football or hurling or w- women's football camogie. It's also about protecting yourself if you do get COVID-19. With the healthier you are, the better shape you're in, uh, your immune system's gonna be better. And that will mean that you'll be able to fight it off better. And a lot of people are talking about the fact that, oh, it's only old people that are impacted upon this. This does and can do long-term damage to your lungs and your breathing apparatus. And just because you're older, you're in the higher percentage risk category. But because you're younger, and if maybe you aren't in great shape, or you've just let yourself go for a while, you are also at a higher risk. So training with a club, with a county, everyone should be doing work, whether it's self-isolating or otherwise, and there are means of doing that. So put your health first. Uh, yes, maybe keep an eye on a goal as to, well, I want to stay in shape if I do get the um, the virus, but also with a view to I want to get back out on those heady days in Crow Park, to uh, play for Fermanagh, to play for Armagh, to win something so you have a purpose and goal, because a lot of this as well is to do with your, your mental wellbeing. And just to pick up one of the points that Tomás referred to, This constant stream and constant feed of information about the issue is really damaging people in relation to the panic setting in, they're seeing photos of no uh, bread in shops and they're thinking I need to go out and it needs to be taken a step back to only look at the news feed once or twice a day, to only use... um, you know, established sources of information. Like, I'll give you an example. We got a message last night into our group of uh, Middletown um, footballers to say, don't be taking painkillers because that actually enhances and encourages the virus to attract you, which is no medical basis at all. There was messages saying that the country was going into lockdown, that the guards were hiring cars from uh, Easy Rent and companies like this here. Complete fabrication so that's one of the points as well as looking after your health that you actually need to only take information from established
0: sources and to look after one another as well yeah look after i was going to say that ga has a real responsibility not a responsibility but they they seem to be already stepping up their efforts to help the local communities providing information for help older people
1: isn't that GA have a great role here to to play no absolutely like maybe um the GA had sort of moved away from its true purpose in the last couple of years there's been a sort of move toward commercialism and maybe this year is sort of a little moment a little uh, moment in time to sort of get back to what the GA is supposed to be there for and it's it's supposed to be there for the community and it's a focal point and sort of that sense of community now is going to be absolutely so important especially you know in these next couple of months just in terms of providing information and um, sort of providing facilities if, if if that's needed and just I suppose making sure that everyone is kind of looking out for each other and um, especially the more vulnerable members in, in you know in clubs and, 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 and that kind of thing and also we as members and younger people have a responsibility to or to the other people in the in our clubs, to follow the instructions that that are being given by the experts.
0: Is there a concern though if we're if as is, as expected there's going to be an economic crash? The markets are going down as we speak. How that's going to affect the clubs long term? You know, obviously the lotos can get get you know still get collected, but. It's likely to be an effect.
2: Yeah, I, uh, 100%. I think that that is going to be a massive impact. And this is a knock on uh, which we've spoken about the health, which is primary number one. But this is going to be a knock on impact. Thinking of a number of clubs um, in Armagh that are involved in fundraising and development of the pitches that are looking towards, you know, the future generations as well and uh, trying to achieve the, their goals. A lot of that comes down to financial, and we talk about uh, the, the 30 million that was gone into county uh, teams last uh, season, but the amount of money that it um, takes to run a club and my own club being a dual club and um, Camogie and Ladies Football as well there's a lot of resources go into that there and when you're say developing a pitch there's borrowings that go into that as well and that's why you run the events and you run the lotto and a lot of it can be done online now but you still have a lot of the money comes in from ticket sellers now that has to be knocked on the head but where you are running like big um, draws and ticket sellers go from different clubs and we've seen it for years throughout the GA, and it's the generosity of the GA community that has enabled um, clubs to develop in the way they, they can but certainly now when that's all knocked on the head and it will be knocked on the head clubs are going to run into um, financial difficulty and that's where the talk of the banks and going into overdrafts and needed to be helped out because no one wants to see a GEA
0: club as a result of this go off a cliff and, and that's what we're facing. So hopefully what we see is in the short term, the GAA rallying around the local community and the older people, and then in the long term, the community rallying around the GAA club, if it does affect, have any negative effects economically. Yeah, well, absolutely, because when we look back on our
2: society, the GAA is the focal point. When I grew up, the GAA club was all I was interested in, and going down the road with my brothers and sisters, and we were there every uh, night of the week, uh, rain, hail or shine, and I think it is a focal point that will people will go towards what you know in times of crisis, and we are in a time of crisis. And certainly however long this takes, we will rally around the older um, generation, the more vulnerable in our community. We've seen it already, St Pat's Cullihanna, um, Dunloy, the masses that have gone up, if anyone is in difficulty or needs something lifted, even to just to check in, maybe not go into the house, but check in and lift the phone to some of your members that are more vulnerable. And That is the essence of what being a GA member is, and that's why we're so proud of our association. It's in the fabric, it's in our DNA, and I think, um, as Tomás says, this is a moment where we reevaluate and get back to what is important about being a member of the GA, and that is community,
0: and that is looking out for one another, and that is the greater good. Yeah. Just before we go, um, I wanted to ask you about what scenarios you think are going to happen. You know, if, as you say, 12, 12 weeks is what um, the the you know Boris Johnson says that would take it up to June. We see in the league then disappear,
1: Tomás, forget null and void this year? Yeah, I think so. If I was if I was head of the fixtures, I'd probably, you know, if it doesn't come back till June, if, we, if we're waiting till June, the league's null and void. Um, play the championship straight knockout and you can have it finished then in, what, maybe end of July and then let club players play. So when a bit of normality comes back, you know, it's important that it's not just county players that get to play football. If if we have to wait until June, then I think it's probably more important that everyone gets to play. So there is maybe an argument for maybe not playing the inter-county championship and just letting the clubs play, um, seeing as the club players will be waiting from now until June to play. Um, but. Le- the National League I think is null and void and if the county season does start up again I think the tier two thing will be pushed back until 2021. That's an interesting point isn't it? Because like, the, the thought you're, you're thinking
0: of the most people who can be affected and the most people are the club players who really need to play and wouldn't it be a great lift if that was, the club was given a good run right from the very start because if we presume as it's going to pan out if we can see what's happening in other countries we're going to need a lift after what's going to happen?
2: Yes, yeah, certainly. And I think um, the, the GEA is something we go to in times of crisis, and it is something that we look forward to as well. It's our release for a lot of players. It, just on the fixture point, and again, you know every cloud uh, and all that and i think it, there is an opportunity that if we are to come back in june that we say right let's relook at this for a one-off to see can we do and i've spoken about maybe a festival of football like a run like a Sigerson type um, situation where you have a number of games run off over a, a period of weeks then you have a quarterfinals semi-finals and then you have on a maybe thursday friday and then the game on the final on the sunday and run it like you know nearly like a blitz tournament and get it done and dusted and then we move into the club and give the club its proper due and the one good thing uh, which i thought was madness to change the way the the club finals when they were played is that that's actually taking place because we'll be looking into a corfin kilku final tomorrow which probably wouldn't be taking place so that's one of the 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 I suppose small lights in all of this here but um it'll be fascinating to see how things turn out but um i think there's bigger and more important
0: things than the ga at play at the minute well that's quite the headline the coronavirus is going to save the ga fixtures sketch. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, i think that's how we end this show um well, you never <clipbait>. Cal, thanks for your time. Appreciate you coming in, and Tomas, appreciate it again. Thanks for your time as well. Um, I really enjoyed the chat this week, and I look forward to it if you're back on again in the future. Good, thanks a lot, Ron.
1: Thanks.